0: Hey there, we're Those Sci-Fi Guys, and this is that Those Sci-Fi Guys show. Just two different dudes with different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We're your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, and I am more than willing to donate my beer to the dwarf women in the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, but they haven't called me yet.
1: I'm D.T. Cavman, and wow, that's intense.
0: <laughs> the dwarf The the female dwarves have beards, as was stipulated by Gimli in The Two Towers. Oh,
1: yes. I do remember. And I I, I do believe that was one of the bones of contention.
0: There's a lot of bones of contention with the the Rings of Power. The Ring of Power. I don't even know which one it is. But, I I mean, I don't know. I'm not hearing a lot of good uh, responses from... Uh, the fan base about this upcoming show with Amazon. Do you?
1: Well, I've definitely heard all the criticisms. Not exactly a great start for them.
0: Well, no, it's not. And, you know, the funny part is the terms of this agreement that they have with the Tolkien estate, Amazon has no proprietary. Uh, availability to use anything from the lord of the Rings or the Hobbit mm. nothing the, all they can do is use prior texts talking about middle Earth and and whatnot but they can't make any like direct references to what happened in like the movies or 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 whatnot so they're gonna try yeah. to tie it in as best they can to the movies but they technically aren't allowed to
1: Sounds like it's just com- like a complete waste.
0: Two hundred million dollars just to get the rights to do this. Never mind the one billion dollars that they're spending for the show.
1: Mm, that is. Wait, what? Four billion dollars for the show?
0: W- one billion. Oh. One billion for one. Still. Still. I mean, <laughs> that's wait,
1: They're billion spending One billion dollars on the show. Yes. What the fuck, man?
0: I know. Like, it just, it doesn't feel, I mean, it feels like they're, they're really, it doesn't feel like they're trying to get it right. It feels like they're forcing it with that kind of situation, you know? So, I heard the Wheel of Time isn't that great by Robert Jordan when Amazon did that. Mm Mm-hmm. I tried reading I I tried reading that book. Did you ever read that book?
1: Nope, never heard of it before now. Uh, I mean before the the show came out.
0: Yeah. I, I was given the book and I tried to read it back in middle school, but I I just couldn't get into it. Fantasy wasn't a thing for me outside of the sort of Shannara, which looking back, the Shannara books were trash.
1: <laughs> Many of them seem to be these things. <laughs>
0: They they really were. It was just... Ugh. Oh, awful. But I got hooked in. Uh, you know? I read every single Shannara book there was, including the prequel. You didn't read any of that, did you?
1: You just asked me.
0: No, no. Shannara this time.
1: Oh, uh, no. I did not. was... I mean, honestly, the only fantasy I really was... I really read... Ish, I read the um I read Steinbeck's The Act of King Arthur and His Noble Knights. Of course that was a um that was a, a reading assignment, but I enjoyed it.
0: Wait, Steinbeck as in like East of Eden, The Grapes of Wrath, Steinbeck?
1: Yeah, but it was all about, you know, it was King Arthur and it you know had all the mystical stuff like Merlin huh. and stuff like that.
0: I didn't know he did that. Yeah. Steinbeck has the worst opening lines to to his books ever.
1: Probably. I can't remember. That was (laughs) years ago. Uh,
0: uh, He did. When I read East of Eden, he wrote, the Salinas Valley is located in Northern California. I'm like, well, that sucks me in. There it is. All right. (laughs) All right, Steinbeck. I'm entertained, like just the worst. And if you look at of mice and men, Steinbeck wrote that. And I think the opening line there was just as uh, alluring. Let's see, opening line for of mice and men.
1: Let's see. Uh, well, needless Shoot. to say, I never I find it. got into a ton of fantasy. I mean, when I was a kid, I did enjoy like the Hobbit cartoon and the, you know, the animated Lord of the Rings and Return of the King. Yep. But I didn't Which I, I wasn't into Harry Potter. I wasn't into. Reading Lord of the Rings, I wasn't into reading uh I mean, I guess Game of Thrones had come out while we were in Game high of Thrones school, came maybe. out
0: in '96, yeah.
1: So but I never got into any of that. I mean, I guess I had really trended more towards science fiction and even the superheroes at that time. I got into I had friends who were huge Lord of the Rings fans in college when the movies came out, so yeah. I, I went to the movies with them and I thoroughly enjoyed them.
0: Me too. And, and that's how I, that, as soon as I, I saw the first movie, actually I saw it. So Lord of the Rings, the, the Fellowship came out in December of 2001. I went out to see it at one of those discount theaters in July of 2002. That was the first time I saw it.
1: Oh, yeah, okay.
0: You know, in one of those discount theaters, I don't know, it was somewhere, God, it was in Massachusetts somewhere, off of Route 1, uh, I think.
1: Route the Route 1 Cinema Pub?
0: It might have been that. It wasn't a pub back then, but...
1: Well, the the Union Theater uh, in downtown Attleboro used to be second-run movies, um... But I
0: don't think it, it, no. I don't think we went to Attleboro for that
1: no by that time, now that I recall that had already shut down and they had actually converted it into a theater, oh where some you know there'd been local plays and stuff but uh yeah, it might have been the route uh what it, I don't know man that the, the route one cinema pub um I don't know if it's still there, but you go in there and you're basically sitting at tables.
0: Okay.
1: Oh, I, I think mean, there was, was one was in like North Providence. That was a second oh, there, run.
0: There could have been one in North Providence. You would know that too. See, I didn't know all this stuff growing up in, in Southern New England because I just I was no, too. I afraid I actually
1: to get went. Lost. I probably went to that one. I saw Twenty One Jump Street there like ten years ago.
0: Did you yeah. really? That's awesome. Yeah, the <laughs> wife and I
1: were home visiting, and we were looking for something to do just a date night, and there was nothing. We were interested in at any of the, you know, like, showcase or anything. And they're like, oh, well, this one's over at this discount theater. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's great.
1: Getting back to the really sticky floors kind of places.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's like $2 for the movie, depending on the time of day.
1: It was like, like 5 but yeah. Oh,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. Basically. So... But not to keep our audience, you know, uh, uh, out their seats. The opening line to of Mice and Men is a few miles south of Soledad, the Salinas River drops in close to the hillside bank and runs deep in green.
1: Yeah, I don't think they cared.
0: How how is that an opening line? What the fr- this is one of America's greatest authors. I don't
1: know. Maybe he's a slow starter. Maybe he's a strong <laughs> finisher. I mean, he was he going was. so hard on the acts of King Arthur and his noble knights, uh, he died, <laughs> and it never finished.
0: It. Well, that's a shame. That's a shame.
1: <laughs> I had, for so. that class, I had to read that, or I had a choice to read that or a couple others. But was I that your that.
0: sophomore year?
1: Yeah, it was brutal. And i then feel we like had i remember read, you
0: talking about that
1: we had to read something like out of like whatever it is 250 of the grimm's fairy tales we had to read like oh
0: 150. was this reading was this english honors or something yeah
1: it was awful
0: oh my god
1: yeah it was uh kind of like it it was definitely like college reading where they were just force a book down your head like every week. It's like you do realize I have other work to do, right? Right,
0: right. And I'm sure, I'm positive that all those books you've read that year greatly influenced the person you are today.
1: Almost none of
0: them. And and all of the success that you have accrued is directly contributed or attributed to that one class.
1: Ugh no <laughs> it was it was frustrating
0: i swear but, to god they go ahead
1: but i did uh no i don't even want to think about it i had such a horrible experience in that class
0: no please do please do nope. you're already you're already you already baited me
1: nope i am not finishing this
0: okay fine that's how I felt in honors bio, by the way.
1: Yeah, I didn't like that either.
0: Oh, that was horrible. And it's just, I've, at least with bio, it, it it teaches you the grinding dullness of what scientific research is. And if you can endure it, then you can be that person that is the environmental scientist that goes out and tests municipal poo for the next, uh, for the, for for buildup of the next virus that's coming out. So (laughs) let me, let me put it to
1: you this way. Anytime you're required to read something like Mm -hmm. a novel or whatever, it, it takes the joy out of reading.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: It's terrible. Yes. Okay. There's very few times where I've had, reading assignments that I'm like, ooh, I can't just, I just can't put this book down.
0: Oh, that's a good thought. I wonder, did I have, hmm, I had one that happened in AP English my senior year, but we were also forced to have it done within a week after we had it for a week, and it was like a 550-page book.
1: That's when you Take that big book, walk up to your professor, whack him <laughs> on the nose, him or her, and go, This is a school. No. no.
2: <laughs>
1: I, no read, was... I had to read the abridged version of Les Mis, which was still almost 600 pages. I will say, I actually enjoyed it. Most of the others, I loved
0: I the abridged version of Les Mis. I loved it. I thought it was probably one of the best instances And descriptions of falling in love that you could ever capture in language. And it was a translation, by the way. Well, true.
1: For me, uh, Red Badger Courage wasn't bad. Uh, I did. There are a couple of other books that weren't too bad, but most of them. And even it, especially in college, when we're like reading like Voltaire and Sartre yeah. and all, and oh, you know, it was it was just too much, you know. Give yeah. me, yeah. Uh, when like you would have this summer reading list, and you're like, oh, well, here's some authors to choose from, and you know, uh, at one time, um. I had a summer reading list, and like, oh, you can choose from this from these American authors. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, Louis L'Amour, Robert B. Parker, westerns, detectives. Um, I read them both. I do remember my uh, my great uncle with a um, little, I don't know, like uh, waist high bookshelf. That was just filled with Louis Lamore books when I was growing up. And uh by the way, he is one hundred years old.
0: Wow. Yep. Chapeau.
1: Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen him in a few years, but he did just celebrate and my folks have said they've seen him they've seen him recently and they said he's still as sharp as ever. So Jesus, we could course, only
0: hope our, we could only Wish to have the same man, that's that's wonderful. Yep.
1: So, anyway, um, and of course, I grew up watching Western, so Louis L'Amour was great. I read a few of his books, Robert B. Parker, and then flash forward like eight years to my first deployment. And you know, people would send boxes of books from like secondhand stores and stuff overseas to soldiers and whatnot. And I read On my first tour, I read every Louis L'Amour and every Robert B. Parker book I could find on the base. I probably read, and these were the Robert B. Parker Spencer novels. So these were the Boston Detective.
0: I I, I, got to be honest with you, I I don't know who this is or what what series that is at all.
1: Robert B. Parker uh, wrote several different series. One of which is most famous is Spencer, which was a TV show in the 80s called Spencer for Hire, where Spencer, the private eye, was played by Robert Urich, and his friend Hawk was played by Avery Brooks. Right. And Avery and and actually when Cisco when Brooks shaved his hair and grew out his goatee. On Deep Space Nine, that was the look he had as Hawk. A yes, a street tough guy with a penchant for beautiful women, fancy cars, and nice clothes. And he had this kind of
0: you. You you described Captain Picard to a T. <laughs> <He was> so,
1: <laughs> yeah. So that 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 was pretty. Um, but the books are really good, and he also did a series called Jesse Stone, which was a series which became a series of TV movies. Oh,
0: with Tom Selleck. Tom yeah. Selleck, yep. Okay.
1: And then, well, uh, Mark Wahlberg did a Spencer Confidential that came out like two years ago in um, on Netflix. It was mm-hmm. not good. I really? eventually read the book uh, that. It was supposedly based on, and it was almost nothing like it at all. Uh. (laughs) And they completely changed the character of Spencer. Just if they had just made that movie and just had original, like just went with like original names, would have been much better because I would have enjoyed it more. But I was like, nope, this is not Spencer. Nope, that's not Hawk. This is nope, nope. Nope, nope, nope. It's not even. It's not anywhere close. So I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: He also did a series of westerns called Appaloosa. Was the first really? One, which was uh, became a movie starring Ed Harris and Viggo Mortensen.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. They were basically they were lawmen for hire who would go from town to town to clean them up.
3: Huh.
0: Okay.
1: I think well,
0: I got right. a... You think what?
1: I think he was writing them right up until he died. I mean, he was still writing Spencer books and such. And his estate, I guess, is I don't know if it was in his will or whatever, but his estate is allowing people to continue the series of Spencer anyway. Yeah. And I've read yeah. a couple of them. They're not bad. They've done... The writers, the authors, have done a pretty good job of writing like Parker, so the character doesn't seem out of character. Yeah, and of course Louis L'Amour, somebody who can cram more into a 250-page book than many people can cram into a, you know, 500-page book. Mm. If you want a a good lesson in writing. Uh, wonderful uh, landscape like of the Southwest and of the of the plains. Wonderful descriptions and how to say, you know, describe these various places differently in every book. That's a good one.
0: Did he do Cold Mountain?
1: He did not do Cold Mountain.
0: Oh, uh, OK. And I hear he... that's wonderful. That, that's an amazing book where every sentence has its own meaning to it.
1: I tried to read it. It was... I did not... uh, The the writing style did not gel with me.
0: Okay. Well, that's fair. I mean, you know.
1: I know they made a movie out of it uh, starring Jude Law and Nicole Kidman. Um, I I haven't seen it. (laughs) I I haven't seen it either. I tried reading it. Um, Then... uh, But Louis Lemoore. Here we go. Taking it back to a few things, a few of his movie or a few of his books have been made into TV movies, like on TNT. A lot of which were starring Sam Elliott and or Tom Selleck.
0: No, really?
1: Yeah, uh, quite a <laughs> few of his um, quite a few of his books have been turned into movies and or <laughs> yeah, that's well. great. Well, there was there was a mini series called the Sackett's. He had this he had this um series of books, probably a dozen books about a family called Sackett which they settled in the hills of North Carolina just before Jamestown was settled. Yep. It was, this family kind of escaped from some troubles in England and settled there and
0: So he was technically the first uh, English colonist?
1: Well, it was technically after Roanoke, but.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. My bad. You're right. You're right. You're right.
1: But, uh, you know, the family kind of grew and as they kind of pushed further and further west, you know, that goes through, you know, the colonial period, the revolutionary period into the west. But a couple of, the books were put together in this like four-hour miniseries, starring Sam Elliott and Tom Selleck as two Sackett brothers who go off on separate paths before they eventually converge. It's pretty good. I mean, you're talking about the 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 two most epic mustaches in <laughs>
0: the movies,
1: the TV. They really movies. are.
0: Uh, <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> Well, I know that it's easy to confuse this show with um, the literary book club. Yeah, but we do oh, have. And by the way, we... okay. By the
1: way, Louis L'Amour did write a science fiction book. Oh, the Haunted Mesa, set in it's the American about... Southwest amid ruins of the Anasazi.
0: Okay, I think I know which direction he's going. Is this about lost gold and stuff?
1: Uh, actually, it's about a guy, uh, a paranormal investigator.
0: Yeah, they're talking about the superstitious mountains. Yeah. That's not an answer.
1: I, I don't know. I've never <laughs> read it. I'm just looking at <laughs> the description.
0: It wasn't even a sentence. That, yeah.
1: I said, <laughs> He's one of my all time favorite writers. I've just okay. enjoyed it. Uh, let's see. Crossfire Trail became a movie starring Tom Selleck. Mm-hmm. Conager was a movie starring Sam Elliott, quite dead. <laughs> <Sam> <laughs> Elliott. Jesus
0: Christ! Shadow right, so Riders. We family. get it. The producers of these adaptations know what kinds of actors they need to <laughs> cast here. Oh,
1: he wrote Hondo. Hmm. Hondo was a John, it became a John Wayne, uh, one of John Wayne's uh, more recognizable movies.
0: Oh, okay. You'll have to forgive me. The Western is a very poorly received genre on my end. And it's not because I dislike Westerns. They just. I'm not saying that they don't disinterest me. I just was never. Caught fire to, to, to watch them.
1: Although Brisco Texas County Rangers Jr.
0: Briscoe County Jr. is different. But Texas Rangers with uh, Alfred Molina, that was a goddamn awesome one.
1: Uh, well, I mean, uh, Firefly, that's a west.
0: That was a Western, too. That doesn't count. It doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is it's a space cowboy and stuff, but you can't tell and me I love you, that. Show.
1: Did you, you mean to tell me you never saw Tombstone?
0: I haven't. Oh, it's Actually, so good. I, I even went so far as to record it this past weekend and I never got to it.
1: Dude, that is a that is a remote drop for me. Tombstone. I know
0: I got to do it. I know it, it is such I a good watched, movie. OK. All right. Well, technically, I watched like five minutes of it, but I was like I was about 40 minutes in. And I was just, like, looking at all the actors that were appearing in that scene. And I was like, holy shit, everyone's in this thing.
1: And almost every single one of them grew their own mustaches. (laughs) Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. There was one or two actors who kind of had to come in to it, like, not maybe not late, but right before production because of other, you know, other projects. And they had to use like fake mustaches, and they, all the other guys were like
0: mm. fake mustache. Yeah, cool. <laughs> there is a certain pride in being able to grow your own mustache.
1: Well, I mean, Sam Elliott came with it, but uh, why? Uh, but uh, Kurt Russell's the mustache. <laughs> Sam Elliott grew. was
0: born into it. Did you say he was born with a mustache?
1: No, he came with it.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. He come, he come, Practically. He came into this world with one. <laughs> Which is
1: why it's always funny when you occasionally go back and see a movie like, oh my god, where's his mustache?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, All right, well, he, we're not about uh, westerns and everything that, that specific, or whatnot, but we do like to diverge a little bit. DT, why don't you bring us into the subject for this week?
1: Well, just based on some of the sci-fi stuff we've been looking at, stuff that's been coming out. You know, if you watched any of the uh, trailers for Star Trek Picard Season 2, you see a very militaristic environment they find themselves in due to Q. If you watched the recent trailer, the, the new trailer of, for the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi mm. series. That was, that was a work of art. You will see a lot of, uh, you know, the Empire. Yep. So, and by the way, I've watched it like once or twice, and it definitely kind of looked like there might have been an outline of Diego Luna.
0: Uh, like he was silhouette. the least. He was honestly the least uh, interesting character, in, to me, in the entirety of all Star Wars.
1: Well, congratulations! He's getting his own TV show.
0: But I, I definitely
1: thought that was maybe, <laughs> maybe a silhouette of him, um, in which would be interesting. It would be about it's about ten years beforehand. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe I just was mis. You know, not seeing it correctly, but that well, would, he would be have been a
0: kid at that point. Right.
1: Um, a young man. I mean, what was he? Maybe 30. You know, have been 30. So have been 40. In
0: his 20s, early 20s. Uh, OK. Perfect age to be a terrorist.
1: Yeah. Dude, don't you tell me about that.
0: <laughs> You're right. I shouldn't. Um, but yeah, that could trailer, man. That was good. Now, I got to ask you. Yeah. They used the Duel of the Fates theme. I know. As they should. Do you think they'll use it in the show?
1: I think you'll get hints of it when he faces off against Anakin.
3: Hmm.
0: Now, here's the other question. I know that it's up to interpretation. I've been expecting you. He says, Darth says, Vader says to Obi-Wan in A New Hope, mm-hmm. I've been expecting you. So he knew that Obi-Wan was alive. Yeah. And here's the question. Do you think it breaks canon that they actually meet? No. Or do you think they meet?
1: I Do think you even they meet. think
0: that Obi-Wan is going to have a, 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 a lightsaber duel?
1: I do, and here's why. Because you, it doesn't change canon. Okay? They All he says is when... You know, this has been a long time. Ten years is a long time. Nine years or whatever. Nine years is a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he says when you... So I, this tells me that Obi-Wan beats him or is able to elude him. Because he's like, when last we met, you know, you were the... Master and I was but the learner, and that. Um, and now I'm basically, he's a. Now I'm the master, so. Right. So I mean, if they face off, nine, ten years is a long time. And Darth's got a stew on it for a while before he's like, <laughs> "Fuck this."
0: All right. Well, I enjoyed this trailer. I'm looking forward to the show. I just don't know how they're going to be fitting it in. But I'm not as I'm not as like canon uh Fodders. gatekeeperish. Oh. No. Gatekeeperish about Star Wars as I am about Star Trek. So, did you see Picard tonight? I did. You did. I haven't. So, I don't know. I was just curious if you did.
1: <laughs> oh, it was it was quite good.
0: Interesting. Your definition of quite good is a little different than my definition of quite good. Let's be honest. And I respect your definition, by the way. Don't get me wrong.
1: Dude, um...
0: But you and I are motivated by different things.
1: Yeah, I I think you'll like it. Um, it was definitely... Intense. Hmm. Okay. It, it had, um... <sighs> It had a lot. It had a lot of great Easter eggs. It also had a lot of, I think, some world building and uh, some decent character development.
0: I'm not interested in Easter eggs. All I want is a good story.
1: Well, here's the thing. The Easter eggs. I think a couple of them seem to lean towards maybe some familiar faces showing up.
3: Okay,
0: and that's fine. We see the board queen, but yeah, the different board queen—not the—not the queen that we saw in the first episode, but the traditional board queen. Um. All right. Well, I, I I'll probably watch it after our broadcast, but
3: it, it I do want good, to point yeah. out.
0: Good. <laughs> um. I sent you. I sent you the link to the, to the the red letter media review. Did you watch it? It's
1: been a long week, man. No, I'll have to. I'll have to check it out. Maybe this weekend.
0: It's funny how their reaction is very similar to my reaction. Like, one of them. One of them, uh, Rich, is just like he goes. I'm such a battered Star Trek fan. Like I just. I haven't watched any of the discovery after season two, but then they show me, they show me uh, Q and I'm like, God damn it. I have to watch, but don't ruin it. Don't ruin it for the love of God, please. And that, that is exactly my fear. And that was what I brought up in the last episode. I'm like, does it cheapen? Does bringing back Q cheapen the idea of all good things?
1: No, I don't. I think there's I think they're really building towards something intense with it.
0: I truly hope so, because they they have terrible follow through. Like I was I was optimistic with the first episode of season one when I first saw that. Well, remember
1: what we said last week was that um, it sounds like maybe just maybe these folks listen to the fans.
0: Oh, yeah, no, they've made a whole lot of, like, changes and everything in between. Don't get me wrong. They are listening begrudgingly. (laughs) I'll put it that way.
1: Such is life, my friend. Such is life.
0: All right, one more thing before we get started on the subject. I suggest that you follow on Twitter General Pedrowski.
1: I don't have
0: Twitter. Oh, you don't have Twitter? Well, log into our those Sci-Fi Guys Twitter. I'll 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 follow him on those Sci-Fi Guys.
1: Okay, I will check it out. Why? What? He that.
0: inserts himself into different TNG scenes where he's like the transporter chief, and he hears the awkward conversations that are being talked about on the transporter pad, or like in Sub Rosa when Beverly Crusher's doing it with the ghost. Mm. And he's sitting there intent forward with Beverly and, and uh, Troy behind him. And he's hearing Beverly talk about, well, he certainly knew how to touch all the right places. And he's like, <laughs> it's "Just it, it's 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 amusing. I suggest you open up the those sci fi guys Twitter. By the way, we have an at those sci fi guys Twitter account handle. Follow us there. I haven't been very good at updating it, but I do do updates when we post new shows. So, anyway. Well, I don't even think you even fully explained what we're doing tonight.
1: We didn't. Uh, so,
0: so anyway, I really <laughs> this whole show, we haven't even talked about what we're going to talk about. So, DT. Yes. We we're going to talk about something, but I think we have one of those situations where we've gone off the rails. Uh,
1: we have gone off the rails.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when we're talking like- about Steinbeck and, and Lord of the Rings and Westerns, and we're already 30 minutes in, it's kind of a problem.
1: Well, I got to ask you a question, man. Sure. All right. So we've kind of danced around the the fantasy thing uh a little you know we've mentioned it yeah obviously we're you know uh, the the lord of the rings films were amazing the hobbit films were they needed work in fact they (laughs) needed they needed one less film really
0: they were decidedly less enjoyable that's for sure yes
1: we're skeptical of the uh, upcoming tv show but um you know how, how big into fantasy did you get
0: honestly the only fantasy that i ever got into okay let me... that's a you know what, what? that's like a fair Harry question Potter? no no um so i i i talked about sword of Shannara. And I, I read every book in that series up through high school. So, mm-hmm. and that that series started back in the '70s, I think. And it was that that's a poor man's Lord of the Rings. Let's be honest, it is. It takes place in the future. It takes several books to realize that uh, a post-apocalyptic future where the dwarves come out of hiding and the elves that were always there were. You know, dwarves were just humans that were hiding from a nuclear fallout. It, it's a thing. Uh, so
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. Actually, there are quite a few fantasy stories that take place in the future with magic after a nuclear fallout. There, There's another one that I was thinking about. Oh, God. It was read to us in fifth grade about this guy named Galen who... Wandered the the land to do to to fill in a new definition for each letter, or 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 fill up a dictionary or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, it was, that took place in the future, and it was a fantasy epic. Yeah, I well,
3: know. So, uh... but I read
0: that, and then hold on, I'm almost done. Um, I did read Harry Potter. It was my senior year the first two books, three books, mm-hmm. and then but that wasn't that's different. And then there was one other one.
1: Ah, did you enjoy the putters?
0: Oh uh, yeah, I couldn't put them down. And in fact I, I I bought the third book, the the prisoner of Azkaban, in London in Heathrow. Ah. And I was reading that and it was it had all the different like quotations that the English use. So it's not double quotations. It's single quotations around each sentence. And oh. it actually used the parlance. Uh, it used English slang. Which, that's a thing. They changed the books up for American readers. I wouldn't know. Uh, it was very interesting. It, it, I wish I still had that book. Because, um, yeah. So, But there was one other book that I read that was fantasy-based. It was one. And now I can't remember it. Anyway, what was your point? It'll come to me.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, I I was basically saying that you know I do you know that there's there's I have some fantasies uh, you know franchises that I've enjoyed. Yeah, you know, obviously, Lord of the Rings, uh, at least film wise. Yeah, uh, I. Um, I enjoyed Lord of the Rings for most of its run. Not Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones for most of its run.
0: You read Game of Thrones.
1: I read the first novel, but I had done. I did that after uh, read after watching like first <laughs> like six seasons.
0: Okay. I did, okay, I did read uh, Diamond Throne, or The Princess mm. on the Diamond Throne, wh- who is, it was, so it was about this this uh, knight named Sparhawk.
2: Ooh.
0: Who, it, it was a good trilogy, and then it went off the rails when they decided to expound more upon it. Um, I
1: see.
0: I think it was the queen on the crystal throne or something. She was suspended in animation on a big block of crystal. And he needed to go on um, a quest to find it. It was that was good. That was that was interesting. It was world building and everything, but it also yeah. was modern.
1: Oh, uh, okay.
0: So, it, it, in the sense that it, everyone talked normally and they had normal jokes, okay, things like that. So that was good, but that wasn't the series that I was thinking about. That was after I graduated college. I had been introduced to it, and I couldn't get into it in high school, but afterwards I did.
1: Uh, and what series would that be?
0: I don't know. I'm still still thinking. <laughs> that okay. came to mind though, because I was that's a fantasy. Um, I couldn't get in the Hobbit when I first read it because it felt too childish.
1: Well, it kind of was though. I mean, that was it was. Of...
0: It's a children's book.
1: Yeah. It was, you know.
3: Yeah. Crystal throne. Well, that's not it.
0: That's not it at all. Anyway, so uh, you were you were you were leading towards something.
1: Well, I mean, like I said, I, I've. Most of the fa- I really haven't done much fantasy reading. It's mostly been TV and movies. Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. I did enjoy The Witcher. Uh, I.
0: That's based on a game.
3: I know.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. There's just something about the medieval. Sword and monster kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's the Diamond Throne. It was the Diamond Throne. I mean. By David Eddings. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. You can't. I, I you're mean, not going to be able to.
1: You can almost get a feeling of this like it's mythology, you know, to a degree. Like a lot of our mythologies. Seem to seem like that, right? So you have, you know, myths and legends and monsters and magic. I mean, we're Irish, so you have the fae folk, leprechauns, you have banshees, and all of these creatures, yeah. right?
0: All, all in my book, uh, the Changeling Chronicles, right. restless.
1: Right. So basically, you wrote a fantasy novel, so to speak.
0: Well, yeah, modern fantasy, yeah.
1: Right. Then you have. I mean, of course, there's plenty of bleed over into comic books, you know, with. You know, you get characters like. uh, The Shining Knight out of D.C., which is basically he was a knight from King Arthur, who I don't know, was frozen in time or something like that. Now he's a member of the Justice League and you have thor and you know loki and norse mythology who turned out to be real and you know you call it science we call it magic you know yeah
0: it's no no we call it oh you call it magic we call it science yeah
1: yeah so i mean there's there's a lot of and of course you can't walk into a, a bookstore or any place you can't turn on netflix without some or any streaming service without some fantasy novel series being turned into a TV series or a movie or something.
0: Well, they're all trying to find the next uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, right. At this point, I mean, they were looking for the next Lord of the Rings, and then they found Game of Thrones, HBO did. Right. And that ended horribly. Apparently, I was pretty satisfied with the ending, but, I, again, I'm not a fan I of the books not. and... I didn't read the books. If
1: they had, you know, they could have. I felt the ending of Game of Thrones. If they had made the last two seasons, ten episodes, like all the previous seasons, they could have made that made some of those points seem a little bit more apparent. Like it was, instead of you know, it was kind of like a off the cliff moment instead of a gradual decline and stuff like right. that. right right plus there was there's things left open i mean there's a lot of uh, hanging chads that they kind of promised in earlier seasons that never got paid off No. So, if they had just done you know hbo was willing to put it on you know let them go on longer or make more episodes they could have yeah. done that
0: uh, Benioff and DB Weiss, they they were like, no, we we have a we have a Star Wars trilogy that we were supposed to write for, <laughs> and then they
1: went from and geniuses then, to morons overnight.
0: And then, because of them ending uh, Game of Thrones the way they did, they lost their Star Wars gig. Which yeah, you know, uh, you know, I'm, give I'm, all the grief to Kathleen Kennedy that you will. She she was the one who took that away from them after seeing how they handled Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, well, it's probably so. also because she she's like, yeah, we can only have one dumpster fire in this <laughs> franchise at a time.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, ironically, the 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 one production that didn't have any problems was the Last Jedi. It ran the most smoothly it had zero almost zero reshoots which almost every movie has a reshoot which is unheard of the, oh, you know yeah. they were so I mean, marvel has they they schedule reshoots into their their whole thing so they tell actors oh, about you know 3 months out res- you know make sure your schedule's clean
1: well so, i mean it makes sense it's wise you know if, if
0: it something is. comes
1: up if there's a problem it's it's a good thing
0: I can't tell you how many times during my high school film career that I had to do a couple reshoots, too. And I had to go to my friends and be like, hey, I need you to do this for me. I know. Listen, can you do this? Can you do this for me, please? Please. I know you have track. Come on. All right, fine. We'll work on it on Saturday. So <laughs> I have almost all of those videos digitized, by the way.
1: All of your, all those projects?
0: Yeah, almost all of them. So I I should send you a, I should send you a file, but that's besides the point. My point being, (laughs) Benioff and DBY's screwed up big time.
1: Uh, Enormously.
0: And so the question is, you know, we have people looking for the next Game of Thrones where they're not going to screw it up. But HBO has already canceled one Game of Thrones for being crap.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. And then
0: they have got they have got another prequel that I have no interest in whatsoever. None.
1: Uh, I, I kind of am. The House of the Dragon?
0: Yeah, the House of the Dragon. I've got zero interest. I'm like, we know how this ends. Why is this a thing?
1: Uh, because no matter what, uh, Game of Thrones will sell a little.
0: I can guarantee you that that first season of the House of the Dragon is going to be maligned and torn apart for lack of character and and and, and uh, a lack of vision, because the very person who made Game of Thrones real was George R. R. Martin. yeah, and he's not writing that show.
1: Uh, he is involved.
0: He's involved. He was involved in the last three seasons of Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, I think part of it is based off of that Blood and Fire book, uh, book series. Well, it was like... I guess it's supposed to be a duology. It's all about basically how the Targaryens came to Westeros, conquered it, and then upwards through the Dance of the Dragons and such.
0: Yeah. And that's possible, but... Uh, it's we we're gonna have to learn a whole new set of characters to care about.
1: And Ooh, it's well, it. I read Blood and Fire. Uh, I might actually know some of them.
0: <laughs>
1: Listen, I, I read, could be completely I read wrong. The original Game of Thrones book while on deployment in Afghanistan. I also read uh whatever it is, Blood and Fire, the basically the first it's supposed to be the first half of a two-part uh, of uh, the basically the uh, story of the Targaryen family. And I also read the Dunkin' Egg uh, short
3: stories. Well, son
0: of a bitch, you did your research.
1: Well, yeah. Now, I can't <laughs> say I read the other four books of Game of Thrones. But no. I was given the beautifully illustrated uh the world device and fire which basically mm. is a, um illustrated That's right it shows effect. the
0: real game of thrones throne or the real throne of swords Well yeah it, it shows like a big tower of swords just yeah yeah I forgot about that you know, it's interesting. You're supposed to be the grizzled veteran that is supposed to poo poo like, you know, grandiose, wonderful, optimistic ideas, but it turns out that I'm doing that. And you're the one that's trying to be optimistic on everything.
1: That's because I'm pessimistic with other things.
0: <laughs> it's interesting.
1: <laughs> hey realized. man, I've I've <laughs> had a lot of bullshit, so Yeah uh you know give me hope where i can get it
0: i know and i feel bad for for being that guy didn't we originally agree that this show was supposed to be optimistic and i and i i'm failing completely in showing my pessimism when when it comes to certain properties
1: oh yeah i know but we've also been burned so i get it
0: yeah so we'll see how this new Game of Thrones thing lines up. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it just comes down to you have fan bases that came across the original art and I, I'll use the books. I'll say books is art, right? And yeah. Just the original art. And then you have these other artists the who try material. to come in. Yeah. The source material. And you have these other artists that go, Hey, I can translate this art to a different medium. Let me do that, uh-huh. and then they don't do that well. Like they think they're doing it well because they're they're trying to say something that wasn't there originally.
1: Oh, I get it,
0: and and that's a problem because it conflicts with the the, the source material.
1: Well, you that get point. that a lot with um, superhero stuff. You hear that. I mean, you. anytime somebody goes ahead and changes somebody's ethnicity or changes their origin, you know, well, that, that has a tendency to frustrate the fan base.
0: Well, you know? it, when you do a retcon, that certainly will frustrate the fan base in a big way because a retcon changes the canon. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 this isn't how it's supposed to work. Uh, Spider-Man 3. Perfect example.
1: Oh, God.
0: The, yeah. the Sandman being involved in the heist. Uh, and who was actually the one that killed Ben Parker. That was a serious retcon that was like, that should never have happened.
1: Well, and don't forget, too, that uh, they also retconned the whole, um, instead of a web shooter, the uh, it's organic.
0: That I will actually give a a, a a pass to, because they were trying to keep it grounded in the real Manhattan world.
1: Well, I mean, where, it was...
0: Where it would be easier to explain the web shooters if it was a biological situation.
1: Right, and I'm not saying it was bad. I just know that there were purists who didn't like it.
0: There were, and... and buddy, the... You know, it's funny because in Spider-Man No Way Home, they actually all three of them talked about web block. <laughs> they yeah. all suffered from it at some point, even though Tobey Maguire uh, is biological. So, yeah. I mean, alert. yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's hard to argue with uh, with that, but we also have. Uh, I mean, look at the, you know, when you watch the Hobbit movies and you're like, why are we adding Tariel?
0: The the female elf?
1: Yeah. You know.
0: No, because, there was no reason to.
1: Because Evangeline Lilly is a, is a good actress and she's a beautiful woman. Is that what we're doing? Because Lord of the Rings is definitely dude heavy.
0: No, she's canceled now, actually. Did you know that?
1: Evangeline Lilly or the character?
0: Yeah, Evangeline Lilly.
1: What what did she do?
0: Uh, you can look it up. <laughs> she um, she came out as um, uh, non-vaccine. Um, uh,
1: oh, she's anti-vax.
0: No, she's not anti-vax. What she is is she's non-mandatory vax.
1: A lot of people are.
0: Yeah. So, But she's canceled now, and she's probably not going to get another job.
1: Uh, I'm sure she will.
0: I don't know. I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. this environment. <laughs> but, you know, we'll see how long the Wasp lasts in the MCU. So.
1: <laughs> well, she's supposed to be in the next Ant-Man movie. No one's come. I haven't seen anything saying that she won't be.
0: She'll be in there because they already started shooting. Mm-hmm. there's no way that they're gonna change it up. I mean there they're sort started of pre production for it and I, I at the very least it's pre production. I, I wanna say they started shooting. But yeah. Who knows? Anyway, we're mm-hmm. talking about Evangeline Lily and what now?
1: The Hobbit. Oh
0: yeah, as as the hot in, in the Hobbit movies. Yeah, it was I mean look, and let's it, let's talk about the Hobbit for a second. Those three movies for The Hobbit were clearly a money grab for the studio trying to recapture the magic that was The Lord of the Rings. Now, the thing is, The Lord of the Rings had three very long books with Mm -hmm. very, you know, long uh, narratives in it that actually were cut out a lot of the time. Of course. A lot of people don't realize that in the Fellowship of the Ring, it took Gandalf thirty years to research the ring at the beginning of the movie. He didn't just run to uh, Minas Tirith; like he did thirty years of research, looking it up, and then he came back to uh, to the the Shire.
1: Yeah, I know. Wasn't technically wasn't Frodo like sixty years old or something when they started the journey?
0: Something like that, but he was like frozen at thirty years old because of the ring.
1: Right, right, right.
0: But he didn't wear the ring. He didn't have the ring on him. It was just around him, so he wasn't corrupted by it, like like Schmiegel was. Right. So, but but that's that's one example that they didn't explain in the movie. They just showed it happen. You they didn't say that that much time took place, but. And they alluded to the Ents in the first book.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay.
0: But they, they didn't have that. They didn't show the Ents until the second book or yeah. or the second movie. Yeah. And everything. So, uh, but, but, you know, that was stuff where they just had a whole lot of stuff for each book that they had to, like, figure out what would fit, what wouldn't and whatnot. They took one children's book and stretched it out to three goddamn movies. I
1: know it was so much. It was just so much uh, that And it, look, I, I I do agree that if they had thrown they had made it two books or two movies, it probably would have served and got it in, but then you're adding in like Legolas. Never in that movie. No. Never in the book. You've got the,
0: the necromancer.
1: Wasn't that all apocryphal stuff, or like stuff from like the appendices of Lord of the Rings, or something like that? Like the that,
0: I don't know. I haven't I haven't read anything outside of the the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Anything outside of that, I don't know. Yeah. It's... So they could have referenced other items that uh, Tolkien did, but no, I, I, I don't know. But uh, but that's the point. Like, it was a money grab, and now we're looking at a money grab with the Rings of Power. <laughs> because they're creating something original based off of his works, not using his works.
1: I, yeah, I want to say it's like some of the stuff from the Similarian. Like, they're trying to cover some of these areas that were like brushed upon in the similar or something like that. Cimmerillion. Cimmerillion. That's what it was.
0: Cimmerillion. Yeah. I'm not saying that with any, any, any sense of authority, by the way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Me either.
0: But I mean, here's the thing. We, 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 we saw how Game of Thrones ended without the source material. Right. We saw how. Um, shit. We saw how well, the um, Hobbit
1: overextended itself when they didn't stick to the source material.
0: Exactly. And so now we're going to be seeing an entire Lord of the Rings series where they're creating material based off of fragments of material.
1: Yeah. I know. So
0: it's- how do you feel about that? I think
1: I think it can be very problematic to be honest with you.
0: Exactly.
1: I, I mean seriously is, issues if not done with care and if the to be honest with you if the the estate is not having it that's not a good sign.
0: The estate hasn't mentioned anything.
1: Well, if they're not they, allowed
0: I mean- to they 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 probably rehearsing. have a non-disclosure agreement with their 200 million dollars that they were given by the way they were given 200 million dollars to release that uh, the rights to general writings that Tolkien gave
1: well i mean they have there has to be something because i believe Elrond is going to be in this story somewhere
0: Elrond's in it, Galadriel is in it at younger versions. I,
1: I have a feeling that these are going to be pale imitations or I mean from what I've read about the from what I've read about it, it's like Galadriel is going to be like angry and like out for vengeance or something like that.
0: And and I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know the history of the elves, and I don't know how, what, what his lore is about them, whether they go through a, a kind of puberty or something like that. I know that they go through a kind of, you know, sexual awakening, but then far. After, they, it's kind of a pond far, really. Like it's a few years of, that and then it's done and then you know it's bed death or whatever you call it but i remember reading about that but i don't know if like elves actually have like tantrums growing up like that wasn't explored in any of the books but i and and i don't know if he did that in his writings well so
1: I mean, we
0: I I don't I can't comment on Galadriel having that kind of feeling of revenge because elves were always above everything. They were the eldest race. Well, they were the eldest race. They were around before the sun came out. Apparently,
1: Thranduil was uh, pretty. (laughs) Emotional. Uh, uh, Thranduil. Legolas's father, the king of Mirkwood, uh, the Sylvan elves from The Hobbit. He was, even in the, the books and other versions, he was kind of vindictive.
0: Okay. And you know this and, from reading
1: it. And definitely from, well, I didn't read it, but, but definitely from the source material that, you know, of course there was also the, uh, Hostility, between, you know, towards dwarves from elves, you know, elves and dwarves not, don't really get along.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're
0: right. OK. You could be right. And that's true. But holding a vindictive stance is very different than holding a revenge anger stance. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, not righteous stance, but just looking down upon some uh, some uncivilian is very different than being angry for revenge.
1: Look, man, I'm just saying the stuff I read when I was reading the articles. I just, <laughs> You're not you know, right.
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. As far I'm as I'm not trying to
0: put your feet to the fire here. I, I, I don't, I, I don't mean to.
1: Look, they they've done they've they've mined a lot of these Scandinavian, uh, you know, fantasy series for stuff on Netflix. I I watched one. and I was like, this is weird, and it turns out it was like a young adult. So I was like, oh, that's why.
0: <laughs> I don't, I don't
1: even remember it. I was like, yeah, you know, the oh, Witcher. Oh, you're
0: talking about Shadow and Bone.
1: No, it was just, no. they were just doing, they're not the only ones. I mean, but The Witcher was good, and I know that no knock on Eastern Europe at all, or Scandinavia, but it was just something that didn't click for me. I, I, I do enjoy The Witcher. Of course, you have Henry Cavill in it. And
0: I watched two episodes. I really couldn't get into it.
1: I'll
3: tell you, man. Uh,
1: It's worth It's worth uh, You know An attempt to To get through it Because The second half Of the first season Like really takes off
0: I I know that there's like Time differences and stuff With each scene and everything Right But uh, It just It just it, It didn't It didn't Interest me Like I couldn't see... I, I didn't feel for the characters. I, I didn't care where they were going.
1: I don't know. I just got into it. It was... It was interesting. It was intense. And it had a really catchy song.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what it was. I, wa- I, I watched... Toss a your witcher. Huh?
1: Toss a coin to your witcher. Hmm... You haven't reached that part of the series. I think it's like episode three or four.
0: Uh, okay. No, I started watching it before the pandemic, by the way, and and I don't want to go back.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, I start I started watching it while confined in the pandemic. It was really, uh, you know, it was one of those things that was wasn't quite to the level of. Game of Thrones but it definitely was one of those ones that uh, had uh, some cultural impact you know a lot of people were interested in it like Game of Thrones people so it's like okay I tried yeah. it out and it was it was pretty good so I then flipped to it and um, I, uh, they had a they released a an animated prequel movie that kind of was like it followed. Uh, like,
0: is this on Netflix?
1: Yeah, it's all Netflix. Huh. It was uh, it was pretty good, and then I what, second season came out, and uh, this past winter, and I've enjoyed that too.
0: All right. Well, that's something to think about. I mean, <clears throat> it's funny how this sci-fi podcast f- focused mostly on fantasy at this point, which but we've fine.
1: also talked. You know, that's, that's stuff that we have kind of said was you know a partial that could be partially tangential. I mean, we also spent a a, a good chunk talking about uh, books and detectives and and westerns too. So
0: yes. Jesse Stone, which yeah. is a perpetual lifetime series, a semi-series.
1: <laughs> I think it was Annie.
0: Oh, maybe it's Annie. You're right. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs>
1: Before he became Frank Reagan on Blue Bloods.
0: Oh my God.
1: With Donnie I... Wahlberg. <laughs> I miss.
0: I miss. Uh. I miss the comedy show uh, on Annie that they used to do, Evening at the Improv. That was a great time.
1: Oh yeah,
0: you remember that?
1: I do. It was all like always
0: came on at eleven.
1: Yeah, but it was always PG.
0: Well, yeah, but it was still funny. I mean, no, you it to was. See, you got to it see was. some pretty good comics and stuff at the Improv, and
1: yeah,
0: yeah. You know, and as a delicate oh. fifth grader, it didn't it didn't disrupt my sensibilities.
1: Annie. <laughs> you now remember when these TV remember when these T V stations used to be about what they said they were? Oh yeah. Like MTV yeah. or History Channel
0: or The Learning TV. Channel.
1: Arts and Entertainment.
0: Arts and Entertainment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I remember and and I'm gonna bring up a debate for you, which actually might be too big for its britches with how much time we have left. <laughs> But someone brought up that when you took away public funding for a specific channel, uh-huh. they used to focus completely on scientific uh, research and thought and programs. Right. It suddenly started turning into my 600-pound life.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, I mean.
0: And the question was, was it okay to remove government funding from the learning channel? That eventually was, once it was removed, it was bought by private companies and turned into TLC. And they now do my 600-pound life or hoarder, not hoarders, but, you yeah, know, they do hoarders, I think. Or I didn't know I was pregnant or...
1: Yeah, one they, they, these were all, you know, you have ones like surgery nightmares and, like, yeah. sex... Sex sent me to the hospital and all these things. It's all under the
0: Discovery Plus network now, by the way, which is buying Warner Brothers. It's that powerful now.
1: Discovery is buying Warner Brothers?
0: Yes, they're buying Warner Brothers from from AT&T because AT&T found Warner Brothers to be a toxic uh, investment.
1: Just ask uh, DC actors.
0: Exactly, actually, Discovery is trying to sell off the CW.
1: Yes, I had seen that, which is what's putting the Babylon Five reboot on hold.
0: Yep. So, but my point is, I mean, the question is, like, if you remove government funding, is that a good idea or a bad idea? And I guess, I guess the the the, the thing is. There's still a market out for science and information because we still have Curiosity (sighs) Stream.
3: Oh, it's so, it's so frustrating. I mean.
1: These used to have real educational value.
0: Yes, of course.
1: I mean, I remember when people, you know, there was so much World War II shit on the History Channel, people would just call it the Hitler Channel.
0: It was, yeah, absolutely. All Hitler, all the time,
1: 24-7. But that's because you could also show real footage of it. But History Channel also had bought up a lot of others, like they had reruns of... Uh, Civil War Journal and the Real West and stuff that had been, I think they were A&E publications. So they yep. had either bought up stuff that had been, you know, and rerun other things. And then they had their really good, uh, they used to have really good documentaries. They had one, well, they used to have Battle 360, which was computer-generated, uh, uh, it was basically a computer-generated uh, uh, documentary of you know the you know famous battles of World War II, particularly in the Pacific. Oh you know, yeah, three hundred and sixty. Yeah. You have the planes, you have the surface vessels, you have the submarines. So it was three hundred and sixty,
2: mm-hmm. and it
1: was um, initially it was sponsored by Enterprise Rent a Car.
0: Yeah, and we know why, because the owner of Enterprise served on the USS Enterprise
1: Exactly, so
0: During World War II
1: There was some fantastic uh, footage. Battle 360 was awesome. You could watch that stuff, and it was entertaining, and then you could watch uh, Actually, they, they did the Hatfields and McCoys The Miniseries with Kevin Costner and Bill Paxton, which was really good. They did Texas Rising about the Texas Revolution post the Alamo. It was okay. Uh, there was, but there was a there was some backlash due to depictions. So,
0: hmm. But I mean, the point is like. These channels are non-existent now. Not, not, they're, they're unrecognizable.
1: Well, yeah, the problem is, is that they're not doing what they were, what their premise was. You know, the premise of the history channel was history. The premise of I mean, it got to the point that they actually spun off an international one, History International, for a while, which was supposed to, you know, focus on things outside the U.S. Yeah. You know, and you'd get some interesting documentaries and, you know, they would occasionally rerun like historical TV shows. Like I remember like Saturday mornings, History used to rerun episodes of Baba Black Sheep which was about a Marine fighter squadron in World War II. It was a show from oh. the 70s. It was loosely based on the autobiography of Gregory Pappy Boyington, uh, Medal of Honor recipient and uh, Marine Corps like quadruple ace from World War II. Uh, so it was... Uh, it was kind of neat it was like the early like it was one of john larroquette's earliest roles
0: oh john larroquette was involved yeah
1: john yeah um, yeah it was a pretty it, i think it was a donald belisario production now that i think about it oh
0: Belisario.
1: so quantum leap jag <sighs> ncis so there was
0: also also cashing in on Something that we don't think we I I'm okay, sorry. Go ahead. What were you say well, come on, what were you gonna say? Well, I mean Belisario is probably involved with the, the quantum leap reboot, quote reimagining or whatnot. And I
1: heard they brought in Ernie Hudson.
0: They did. He's in charge of the actual project, which I'm fine with, but if it's a reboot, no. If it's like a continuation, fine. Find Sam Beckett. Find oh, that,
1: him. That would be cool.
0: Find him. Get him home. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't want a reboot of Quantum Leap. I want a continuation of, of Quantum Leap. With the right people and the right stories. I don't see this going the way it's supposed to go, though. To be honest yeah, with you.
1: Yeah, well, I mean... Ernie Hudson brings some gravitas to it.
0: Ernie Hudson is an amazing actor and a great writer, but he is not in charge of anything at in that show.
1: Hey, they named a river after him.
0: Goddamn right it did. <laughs> That's motherfucking
1: Winston, man.
0: And, and I'll never forget Winston. Love Winston.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, when you can bring on quality cast members, it gives you hope that maybe it won't suck now
0: i just i'm I'm as a battered Star Trek fan, I just don't know anymore.
1: Don't say that.
0: I uh, I I am
1: No, no. I mean I enjoyed
0: no, no. I enjoyed lower decks the Use first a season. different
1: phrase. The other one just it brings on a connotation that feels like it cheapens abuse.
0: Okay, as a
1: disappointed um misled
0: hmm horrified. <laughs> Horrified Star Trek fan. I just, I, I, I just have a hard time dealing with new You're writers.
1: You're
0: Not gun shy. I just, I'm horrified. I'm, I'm horrified about the possibility of new writers uh, mishandling my old, my old, my old heroes.
1: Yeah, I know, man. I know. For every Battlestar Galactica reboot, there's
0: Battlestar Galactica, the reboot was better than Battlestar Galactica.
1: I know. but for you know, for every cult classic that has a successful reboot, there's mm-hmm. like five or ten that just blow up in your face.
0: I know. Uh, no, no, don't get me wrong. I get it. But
1: all you need to do is take a look into the TV garbage bin of successful british shows that americans failed to do an american version of coupling now that's the other way around
0: that's the first one that came to mind that was NBC's solution to replacing friends coupling
1: well yeah but (laughs) coupling was basically the british version of friends and i know first
0: I know and then, and then coupling happened and then they tried to make an American version which was terrible it was awful
1: well there was at least I think one to two attempts to make a faulty towers an American version of faulty towers which uh, that was the uh, Jean the Jean Cleese
0: I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. I don't know.
1: Uh, just look up "Faulty Towers." There's like ten episodes, but it's a classic. It's hysterical.
0: Okay, I'm sure it is with John Cleese involved. Yeah, there's no losing.
1: Yeah. Uh, what else? There was, uh, you know, absolutely fabulous. You know the the American that's tried on Paramount
0: do- Plus. I haven't watched it, but it was a mainstay on Comedy Central for a right. long time. Comedy
1: Central first came out. They were doing old reruns of Saturday Night Live. Absolutely fabulous. A lot of these mm-hmm. shows before they started getting into, in addition to all their comedy shows, but before they got into uh, their own programming and original stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> Before the Daily Show, before all of that,
0: before the Daily Show when it was good, because the Daily Show was out with uh, what's his name before John Stewart. What was his Craig Kilborn? Well, was—he's the... an ass. He was terrible.
1: Well, that was kind of—I mean, I think that was his shtick was to be the cocky, douchey guy. John Stewart's. Yeah. Early tenure was really funny, but it, it it really became more and more political and whatnot. And
0: oh I, no! It immediately came became political as soon as the two two thousand election happened. So he came on in ninety nine, or maybe ninety eight. Let's say ninety nine at the latest, and then he did his thing, and then the Florida election happened immediately. Daily Daily Show learned that they could print a mint of money off of his political commentary.
1: Oh I mean that's that's what Saturday Night Live did.
0: Yes, of course. And I don't fault them for that, but that's that's that was the turning point for the Daily Show. So I'm not sure where we're going with anything. We're actually well a uh, well beyond our 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 recording time at this point. So
1: Well, we're beyond our recording time. We we definitely jumped the rails.
0: What's uh, our moral what's our moral of the story at this point?
1: Well, we did spend a decent amount of time on uh, fantasy.
0: Fantasy, fidelity to the original story, yep. respecting the original story, and wondering if <laughs> other authors are actually worthy of respecting the original story.
1: I know, uh, I mean, let's face it. you know the nostalgia monster will will get in our way a lot of times,
0: yeah, but that's different,
1: not really. I mean, y- you look at quantum leap and you think something that was special to you, and you become very leery of a reboot, you know. Babylon Five. I mean, of course, right now everything's being rebooted.
0: Yeah, because we're not allowed to have an original thought in Hollywood.
1: Well, I wouldn't because it's not
0: because it's not it's it's too risky otherwise.
1: Well, well, with think of it this way. I mean, what if someone had come out and said, "We're going to do a sequel to Babylon Five, set fifty years in the future, or something like that." Okay. What would you have said? New adventure, probably
0: whoop-de-do, Basil. What does it all mean?
1: Well, would you rather have one of those, or would you rather have uh, a reboot,
0: like the Expanse?
1: I've
2: no, no, I the- know
0: you said reboot. I and I, I, I'm sorry. I know you said reboot. That my answer wasn't meant for that. Um. I would rather have a reboot of Babylon 5 50 years down the line. No. But that runs the risk of missing out on a show like The Expanse.
1: You didn't listen to me. I said, would you rather have a a sequel set 50 years down the road, kind of like Star Trek The Next Generation, or would you rather have a reboot? Two separate things. I would
0: rather have a sequel.
1: Well, I mean, we saw how well it worked out for Star Trek for a while.
0: Not not well at all. how are we talking in the last 10 years?
1: Well, I had originally used the next generation as my point.
0: True. But it worked
1: very but well as and it, and it took a little while for it to get going, too.
0: Well, the the next generation universe, let's be honest. Gene Roddenberry was involved in that from the very beginning. Now, right. he was terrible, and he was an asshole. We and know. he he was awful as a producer and a, and a writer and everything. But he was at least involved in the Next Generation universe for the first couple of years to set the stage. And then good writers, they had to be really good writers to fit his... To fit his, to fit his rules, they had to be good writers. Came in and I, I, did it,
1: and then they sure.
0: went and did their own thing after he got too sick. But we still had really good writers. Eh. No, what are you talking about, Brand Braga, Ronald D. Moore?
1: Yeah, but there were still people who wrote "Code of Honor" and "Up the Long Ladder."
0: Oh my God, "Code of Honor" was. She didn't last a year on that on that uh writers group. Who was it? She wrote she Please she wrote the second episode.
1: Was D- Please say it wasn't DC Fontana.
0: No, it was Wendy something. She wrote the second episode of um or the third episode of Stargate SG One, which was exactly Wendy the same.
1: Thing. Noose or something like that.
0: No, it wasn't Wendy Noose. What? No, um, Patrick Stewart married Wendy Noose. And then divorced her. Um shoot. You're gonna make me do this. We gotta wrap up. You know, we gotta do this.
1: Well, uh, I mean my point but okay, so honor. JMS said he was gonna be involved with the reboot.
3: Okay. Which, you know, is a good thing.
0: I mean that that exactly what the TNG thing.
1: That was a sequel. TNG wasn't a reboot. JJ Abrams was a reboot.
0: JJ <sighs> Abrams was a reboot. Yes. Oh my god, what are we talking about? I I lost I lost track. So we I I'm saying what I am saying is that at least in the TNG universe we had the original creator involved at the beginning of that universe. When, with the sequel, with the continuation of that universe, and the writers, who were showing fidelity to him, worked as best they could with him about it until he got sick, and then they still tried to stay within that mainframe right. the best they could, but with interpersonal issues. Which well, Gene Roddenberry didn't like.
1: We know. You know, I, I, if, if JMS is involved, I'm willing to give it a shot. I mean, hell, the, remember, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air just got a reboot as a drama.
0: I know, I'm not interested at all.
1: Produced by Will Smith, so, I mean...
0: I know, and Why?
1: Maybe he feels he can tell the stories he didn't get to tell when he was, you know, whatever, 25 years old, coming coming off of a hip-hop career, breaking into acting, and and essentially creating a, an iconic TV show. I don't know, man. Ugh. I mean, it tackled a lot of hard things, but I don't know. I I'd be a lot... You know, I'm a... I'm not. I'm not interested because.
0: Catherine Powers. She wrote. She wrote Code of Honor, mm. and she was the run with the one that wrote the most racist, boringest episode of Stargate SG One, uh, which was uh, Emancipation. <laughs> oh, lord. It's that terrible.
1: sounds like the ultimate the ultimate. It's
0: end. literally episode three. It's literally episode three of SG One. You need to see it, like just I think I did watch, watch episode. You might have with the with the the um, Genghis Khan um, descendants. Maybe you would know if it was the Genghis Khan descendants.
1: Maybe not but again i think that might be the ultimate ending
0: it's the ultimate end everyone so on that note everybody we went off the rails just for you so keep that in mind as you guys we do we were due i was literally thinking about it the other day i'm like was well, the last time we went off the rails i'm like oh shit it's been a while and now we did it again. <laughs> Which means we can do it again in the future. <laughs> so you guys keep dreaming. We keep working. So long, everybody.
1: Yeah, and we'll see you on the high ground, folks.
0: Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Site Productions, produced by DT Kafman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. or go to ThoseSciFiKais.com for past episode information.